passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. We 18, that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another award-winning edition of Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting on a February 13th, Monday evening. Hello, Wei. What awards have we, have we won recently? Or I'm ever? being specific. This, this show will be an award-winning episode. And what award would that be? We are going to be winning the National Canadian Podcast Broadcasters Society of Entrepreneurial Spirit Award. Hmm. Okay. It's exciting. You can have the trophy. Um. Um. Are we going to the party? Is is there a party? Is there a chance to have for an acceptance speech? You know? It's in Alberta. We could film something and send it in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The podcast hotbed of Alberta. All right. Yeah. This is okay. the clip that we will be uh, sending in. How was your weekend? Did you have a um a relaxing one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a good weekend. My my family came over uh from both sides actually. Uh, oh. It's it's uh so I mean, really not for any particular reason, but it was just kind of like several reasons packed in there including like, you know, a delayed sort of lunar new year get together, um my a belated, you know, birthday for for my wife and then I guess my my son's 6 month. Like basically any excuse. And also because it was Sunday. So basically any excuse to just see family is what we had. Never a bad time to celebrate a Sunday. Yeah, t- t- always, always should be celebrating. We're Sundays, here. Yeah. We've made it another week. Let's all sit back and take in the last seven days. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had a good weekend. Uh, I've been hit by the the Netflix crackdown on uh on Ooh-ooh. on, on uh, accounts. Sorry about that. Yeah, we were uh, caught off guard here by uh, this this change. So, so think- you can no longer share your account. Is is at least in Canada? Uh, we we've been hit by that now. I yeah, don't think you, in the U.S. they've implemented it just yet, but um, I mean, I'm sure they will soon. Yeah, they've uh, they've they've gone to work here in uh in Canada, so you know what they they got me, they they got me, and thus. So did you pay? Got a new account, yes. So well, there you I, go. It's it's working. I'm pre- I'm predicting Netflix uh, subscribers are going to go through the roof once it hits the U.S. So anyway, if Canada's any, it's like when it comes to what my kids watch, it's Netflix and Disney Plus. Like those are the two staples. So, um. Yeah, I just so they got you. Yeah, so I mean, so you mainly did it because of your kids, because your kids love whatever show. What what is the show on Netflix that is keeping you around? Netflix is Paw Patrol. That is a big one on uh, mm. uh, there as well. Are you familiar with Gabby's Dollhouse? 
Um, yeah, I am actually. Coco Melon. Yeah. That's another big you one. You can get that on, on YouTube, can't you? You can get all of these on YouTube. We actually try and sway them away, away from YouTube because of the ads. We're kind of like those parents. So mm. it's a lot easier too with, uh, you could pay to, for, for, uh, ad free YouTube. I know, but I'm not doing that. I'm not giving YouTube anything. So, uh, I give You're, YouTube enough on a weekly basis so they could give <laughs> Hello, me a YouTube. few breaks. Yeah. That's it. We love you guys. Yes. Those are the big ones. You know, um, today Max said the most. <laughs> I'm sure he did not come up with this, but he took credit for this. He's like, you know what? I'm like, what? Tomorrow never arrives. <laughs> like, where did you hear that? He's like, I made it up. It's like, where did you hear? <laughs> I know you didn't make this up, but I was like, that was very profound. Well, what Just does out it of mean? Nowhere. Tomorrow never arrives. It's always, there's, tomorrow ah, is, that is always very true. to come. It is yeah. never something that arrives. Well, tomorrow is really just um, more of a concept, I suppose. That's it, yeah. Or more just a, a reference point. But it's a reference point we'll never truly reach. I told him that's really clever. Use that one on people. That's that's good. Wow. We have like 8 million news items, so I'm going to keep this brief uh, okay. as we as we get into things. Right. Uh, we will go over our schedule this week, but Wayne and I are off this week. We are heading to Montreal. We are going to be going to SmackDown. We are going to be going to Elimination Chamber, and we are going to be doing some shows from there. So uh, we will we will go over the whole schedule this week. But we start off uh, with the passing of uh, somebody that got a lot of attention today in Canada, and that is Billy Two Rivers, who was from the Ganawaki, um, uh Council uh, area just outside of Montreal, and uh, represented it's a it's a Mohawk nation here in Canada. And he lived to be 87 years old, but was not just a professional wrestler for 24 years, but then got involved in politics afterward. And that is where a lot of his notoriety in Canada is is known from. And thus today you had uh, like the CBC, CTV, Global News. I mean, a lot of the major Canadian outlets covering his passing. But uh, he was an individual that got involved in wrestling, having his first match in February of 1953, when after being trained by Don Eagle, who he later teamed with in the 50s. And Billy Two Rivers was a very well-known uh, professional wrestler, especially in the UK. He traveled throughout the US went and had stops in Florida, the Carolinas, w went to many different territories in the US. But as the story went, he was deciding if he was going to go to Calgary to work for Stu Hart or go to the UK, which are... I mean, those are two very different places of where you want to go. So he allegedly flipped the coin and he went to the UK. Is this way how you would um, come to a conclusion of where you are going to uh, uproot yourself and go as uh, Billy Two Rivers did for six years to go to a country? Would you leave it to a coin to choose your destination? Um, to go to Calgary? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? I think he made the right choice. He got there right during the infancy of World of Sport on ITV. And because of that exposure, um, you know, he, he became a, you know, I, I would leave it to those, uh, you know, growing up in this era. But I mean, someone that seemed to like trans, transcend outside of just professional wrestling and into areas of pop culture as well. He finally goes back to Canada. He worked for uh, the Bashans with Grand Prix out of Montreal and then, uh, wrestled until he wrestled for about 24 years, and then he was elected to the 
Ganawaki Council in 1978 and served 10 terms, uh, was not reelected in 1998, but, um, you know, the Mohawk Council, they, they put out a, a statement about the role he played in the Oka crisis back in 1990. And then after, um, that those 10 terms, he still remained as a political and policy advisor. When Van Morrison put out uh, the Rolling With Punches album, the image of Billy Two Rivers was used on the album cover, and they never got his permission. So this did let, lead to a lawsuit, and then they settled it uh, a number of years ago. Um, but also, uh, Billy Two Rivers was someone as well that, I mean, he appeared in movies. He did television shows. He was in an episode of Mohawk Girls a couple of years back. So somebody that had, you know, from all accounts, like a really um, interesting life that spanned both professional wrestling for a quarter of a century, and then in politics as well. But somebody that, uh, number one, he took it very seriously, representing his people. It was to the point that if he would be billed from Montreal, he would correct them and state, no, I'm not from Montreal. And he would, and I hope I'm pronouncing it uh, correctly, but, but Ganawaki is what I heard as the way you would pronounce it, that he wanted to always be identified from there. And, uh, and even taking issue at some when, you know, it became very much in vogue in professional wrestling, like you would have these, Native American stars that were by it was like pure gimmick, you know, like a Chief J Strongbow that were given these names, but were, you know, this was Joe Scarpa from New York. And, you know, he really prided himself on like this was his, you know, true uh, origin uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, if you were in Canada today, you probably saw some coverage uh, of his passing. But, you know, he was involved with many different politicians. Um yeah, was a very respected individual here in Canada. Cody Rhodes appeared on the MMA Hour today with Ariel Hawani. And of note were, um, he noted his exit from AEW was a lot more forthcoming than uh, Tony Khan was when he was on the MMA Hour. Cody Rhodes was at least uh, open to discussing these topics. And he did note that he will always be friends with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but did acknowledge that their friendship was tested with their new roles in the company and having very different philosophies of what wrestling they wanted to present, but said like these contrasts are what made our relationship work. Cody was somebody that wanted to put, you know, he was brought up on, you know, his influence was Jim Crockett promotions and that style of professional wrestling presentation. And I think we could certainly see that way in some of the, you know, the, uh, the lead up to the Nick Aldis program and doing those road to, um, features like that certainly felt like the, like the Cody influence and that Omega and the Bucks, they had very much, they came up and, you know, they found their themselves, especially the Bucks in PWG and doing like this high octane style of professional wrestling, but said that they, he always will be friends with those guys, but they did have different philosophies. And when it came to the brawl, at All Out, stated he was really down when he heard about this, that it was very disappointing to hear about and that he does not want to see something he helped build and contribute and make for a better industry uh, for anything to affect that. And he was very diplomatic. He was complimentary towards Punk and he was also complimentary towards his friends and he was not going to take a side or criticize either way, but did note that you know, th this is a company that lived off of the spirit of what that all-in show was, and they cannot lose that spirit and indicated, you know, there might be some people that come in that don't quite understand like that, that spirit of things. So he, he was very careful here not to have any, 
I think he was very cognizant of not wanting any AEW headlines coming out of this. Um, but he was uh, fairly forthcoming about, you know, he didn't just, uh, you know, move on and uh, do as a, uh, did you hear, by the way, the uh, the, the Nick Khan um, philosophy when it comes to interviews? No, this is something really interesting. Uh, so, um, uh, what was the name of the uh, the raw broadcaster who was on who was on the the score previously? I'm blanking on his name now. Kyle Edwards? No, 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 no. The the one who lasted very very. I'm just having a total. oh um uh. Adnan Burke. Adnan Burke yes. was on. Yes. Uh, he was being interviewed, and he used to be. Uh, it's very late for me. Uh, he was he was being interviewed, and he used to be repped by Nick Khan. And when Adnan Burke was going through, when he had like left ESPN, and it, there had been a bit of a controversy there, Nick Khan's advice to him was like, if you get any like questions that are like difficult, don't answer the question you were asked. Answer the question you wish you were asked. <laughs> so it's <Right>. like. <laughs> Way, uh, tell us about this, um, this, uh, hit and run you were involved with. Well, I, I took, uh, I took my son the other day to the park and it's, it's amazing to see your child, uh, just taking his first steps. And, you know, I too am taking my first steps into my new career, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, I am going to be, uh, helping out those that are less fortunate. And that's, that's the key way. You don't answer the question you're being asked. Answer the question you wish you were asked. So always remember that in future Nikon interviews. But uh, nonetheless, did you get to see any of this uh, Cody interview? Uh, he was really doing the rounds today. He was all over New York media today promoting tonight's Raw. Uh, no, I haven't actually seen him, but I, I did read uh, a couple of recaps of it, So uh, including the headlines that you, you did mention. Um, it, it reads, at least to me, like you know he's somebody who um, knows how to give a substantial and I think authentic answer um while at the same time i'm you know not not necessarily i think causing any controversy and i think that's you know um part of the the game of being somebody who is in a top position of any professional wrestling company it's part of the game of somebody being an executive um you kind of he he's incredibly media savvy you know he used to he used to be the the guy who leads who led the media calls um ahead of all these aew pay-per-views so um this guy I mean, is perfect for this role that the mm-hmm. WWE wants. I mean, he's a perfect interview subject to go out there. Comes off very personable. Um, he's great. He's in great a way that Tony Khan does not. Um, it depends. I think that there's times that Tony Khan lets his guard down more than others, but there's also um, media interviews where I think he's ex- exceptionally guarded in in his um, how forthcoming he's going to be. And I think he also understands that. You know, it's he does not want to go. He he is going into these interviews with the intent of promoting AEW and not coming out of it with headlines that are going to be. Uh, he does not want CM Punk headlines. He does not want um, headlines about any locker room unrest in the past. And they're kind of through that period. But you no, know, that's that's. But there's a way goes. of of gaining publicity while still be, you know get, satisfying an answer that I don't think necessarily has to be controversial. And I think that's what Cody knows how to do in a way that a Tony Khan doesn't. It's it's certainly different between the two. I will say that if Cody says something, he doesn't have an entire locker room that you're potentially upsetting and are going to be that you are leading either. I mean, he's kind of in a, in a role where he's rep- he's representing his company in WWE, but he is also representing himself too. And he's also far removed from this. Um, 
as well. Like, I think if you were to really press Cody on, you know, leaving AEW, I mean, they have pretty much said, like, him and Tony Khan are not going to discuss any of the particulars about it. So, I mean, in that sense, like, they're kind of in lockstep when it comes to to that aspect of the story as well. MLW and WWE. So we we have got a, an update on the, the lawsuit that is going on. And a, a judge uh, came down on Monday uh, stating that the court finds that MLW has not included sufficient facts to plausibly allege a relevant antitrust product market. And uh, this whole um, the, the whole nine page uh, ruling can uh, can be read o- online. I know Brandon Thurston has uh, has tweeted it out. So the, the gist of this is that the court believes that there is not enough here to move forward uh, with this case, but with the caveat that MLW has three weeks to amend this complaint where things could still move forward if it meets the, I guess, the satisfaction of the court with this amendment. And Court Bauer did respond to PW Insider that they are absolutely going to be amending this uh, with the intent of moving forward. So while the uh, the claims were dismissed, it did come with that that ability for MLW to amend this. So we will see if they can get more specific um, because ultimately this case is coming down to the, the, the antitrust claim that MLW is, is making out. And it is, it is going to be very tough to prove. I think as well, the, like these specific market conditions that are being put at the feet of the WWE. And that's essentially what the judge is saying here. What you have outlined is not, um, there is not enough to it that we can move forward uh, with, with with this in a in a court of law. So we will see what MLW's next move are. Obviously, they they have a heavyweight law firm behind them, and should this um, should they sa- satisfy the court and uh, amend their complaint and it goes forward, I I think it becomes a very interesting case in the sense of just given the attorneys that are attached to this. Um, I I can't speak for them if they would be willing to settle how WWE, I would think, ultimately just wants to avoid any form of discovery um, Mm -hmm. of what that could entail. And you compare it to what the UFC has gone through. I think one of the best things for the industry has been the discovery phase in this whole uh, Kung Lee fighter uh, suit against UFC that the discovery, it has given us so many facts about fighter pay and the financial system that is in place for UFC. I'm not saying this will ever get to this with this MLW suit, but um, yeah, we will see. It's it's going to be determined in three weeks. And if it does not reach it, then I, I don't know the specifics about what happens to this case at that point, if this thing is just dropped or, or if it moves forward. But it looks like 21 days is uh, the time is ticking on that one. We'll find out in three weeks. Moving on, New Japan held their new beginning in Osaka card. Uh, both New Japan and NOAA held cards at the Edeon Arena. So New Japan drawing 4,055 on Saturday and then uh, just under 2,100 for the NOAA card on Sunday. And the, I would say the final three matches on the New Japan card were all very strong matches. You had Hikuleo defeating Jay White. They went uh, over 25 minutes and... After Jay White had always been able to solve people's finishers by countering them into the Blade Runner, this time it was Hikuleo countering the Blade Runner and defeating Jay White after a choke slam. 
The fact that Jay White got a 25-minute match out of Hikuleo, I think, speaks volumes. And I thought it was a very good match. Um, I thought Jay White was incredible in this match. But yes, it is Hikuleo getting the win. And Jay White must leave Japan. And that comes with the asterisk that he does work the San Jose card this Saturday against Eddie Kingston. Uh, But then it looks like Jay White is done with New Japan. Do we know that? I mean, I guess if you're going by, you know, these sort of goodbyes. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's certainly the speculation. And um, I, th- I think that's the the expectation. But y- you would y- you could not slam the door shut that something like in theory, he is still under a deal until he fulfills his final commitment. If it's this Saturday that mm-hmm. you could always reach something. But I think the fact that this. I would say if something was going to be reached, it's coming before uh, this match is made, much less completed on Saturday. This really did feel like the the farewell of Jay White. And it makes it an interesting um, situation for San Jose and what kind of reaction Jay White receives. Uh, he's going mm-hmm. against Eddie Kingston that, uh, despite his portrayal on AEW, I think will be a, a baby face to this audience. But what kind of reception does Jay White get? Hmm. I, I imagine, um, cooperative, you know, would probably be, be my guess. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure Jay White will play up the heelness, uh, going into the match, especially going up against that Eddie Kingston. But once the, that, that final, you know, pinfall occurs, presumably Jay White losing, um, I imagine there might be the possibility of, of some sort of standing ovation, perhaps in recognition of, you know, how much he's done for, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, um, you know, speculation continues to, loom about what what his destination will be do you still like wwe as a spot for jay white if he's weighing his options um i don't know if i necessarily like it like it you know but i i i feel like um there's certainly he's big enough um to to have a role a significant role in AEW. but you know at this point maybe 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 wwe is the better choice i i, I think he would fair pretty well in WWE. It's like either company. You're th- th- there's always the unknown, but I would I I would think like he would fare pretty well given the the current state of things in WWE. Uh then uh, Tamatonga defeated El Fantasmo using the J Driller. Uh these two had a tremendous match and my biggest takeaway coming out of this, number one, my biggest um, thought was if El Fantasmo ever goes to WWE, this man should be teaming. If they can't get Jake Paul, El Fantasmo should be playing Logan Paul's younger brother. This man is yeah. an uncanny resemblance to Logan Paul. He looks more like Logan than Jake does. Um, I haven't seen them side by side, but okay. That's because they might be twins. Um. El Fantasma was fantastic in this match. He has always been. I really enjoy watching him where the comedy stuff is sort of out. And I would say, given the pending departure of Jay White and where things are now, I think that now is the time to really go all the way with El Fantasma. Um, I would be looking at him as one of the strongest candidates in the New Japan Cup as being that that guy that we're going to elevate um, whether you're getting him away, away from the Bullet Club, um, this could be as a heel, as a babyface. I like you could go the heel direction. It's a fresh match for Okada to do a, a sumo hall match in April with. Um, that I, I just feel now is the time to, and it seems that New Japan is being pretty adamant about getting new blood into their upper mix. And El Fantasmo to me would be near the top of my list. Kazuchika Okada defeated Shingo Takagi. Excellent, excellent match between these two. And um, 
especially down the stretch. I thought the last 10 minutes of this were outstanding. And afterwards, uh, Okada retains the title. Uh, we even saw a, a Takagi Rainmaker in this match. But it's Okada retaining the title. And then he issues the challenge to Hiroshi Tanahashi for San Jose. Tanahashi beating Kenta earlier in the show. And Tanahashi, minus his front teeth, which he lost after eating a protein bar, Gets into the ring and he accepts the challenge. And on a week's notice, we're going to get Okada Tanahashi in San Jose, which uh, as of now is being listed as a double main event with Mercedes and Kyrie. And I think a very worthy justification of a double main event. Um, they ran this match for one of the G- the G one shows, right in Dallas. In, in Dallas, right? yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it still feels very you know significant when you put it in an American on American soil. I mean, it is. Uh, I think for this generation, a bit of a signature match. At least you know with with what uh, participants you have um, on the roster, you're not necessarily giving anything away um, that you know to to a, to an american audience that you that feels like that big of a loss for a japanese crowd so i i think it's a very worthy main event you double it up with mercedes um it's the type of thing where like you you, you know i guess they didn't need to announce this ahead of time tickets sold you know well enough just with mercedes alone but um yeah definitely bolsters this this card yeah, this is uh, th- this arena they're running it's like it's, it's like 2100 people this is mm-hmm. like not a big venue they are running but that's that's a very solid one too uh, for uh, for next weekend. And it's funny because the match where Okada first won the title from Tanahashi in 2012, Tanahashi lost a tooth during that match. And now in this one, he's going without uh, front teeth. Oh, no. So mm. I knew I knew protein bars were no good. So Tanahashi proving mm. that one out. Over on the Noah card on uh, Sunday, uh, I saw the top matches. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya retained the GHC title against Jack Morris. They went just over 19 minutes. It, it was a good main event. I've certainly seen better Kiyomiya matches, but Jack Morris, he does a, a lot of things right. He's a very athletic, good look about him. There is a certain like genericness to him that I think in time will come once they sort of flesh out the character base of him a bit more. But just from... um just a pure move standpoint, I, I think he's he's got a lot of great tools. He's someone that they pretty much plucked out of nowhere for the N1 last summer, and they have protected him all this way. And I, I certainly see a, a very good future for him in Noah. This was like a very nice main event. Kiyomiya retained the title. And then, as we uh, somewhat expected, Okada shows up and attacks Kiyomiya from behind. And dude, it is Okada. Dude, this is Vince McMahon in Memphis. It's Okada in the same arena uh, 24 hours later after being Takagi, and he's pure heel in this match. And he was... Uh, it, it just seemed like he was loving this. The whole crowd is booing him after he attacks from behind, and he gets onto the microphone, and he says, Call me Mr. Okada. And he will see Kiyomiya at the Tokyo Dome. The fans are continue to boo him. So he says, give me more of your hate. And he just leaves Kiyomiya. The one unfortunate problem is Okada does his promo. Then he goes all the way to the front and he's posing. And dude, Kiyomiya is laid out from this one Rainmaker forever. It's like, it was like almost too much of how long he was out. But dude, Okada was awesome here as the heel and, uh, We've got our number two match for the Tokyo Dome. And to me, it's it's a cool wrinkle of seeing Okada just play just this more nastier heel version um, that 
you know, he's certainly played heel in his career, but this is just so overt and different, especially such a contrast to recent years. Um, so anyway, I'm, I think that's going to be a great match that they have at the Tokyo Dome. I think the two angles been, have been great. It's the most interesting thing I've seen Okada be involved in in a long, long time. And for me, it's the main event of that particular show. Uh, also on the show, uh, Naito uh, made a surprise appearance as well as uh, Mudo was out ringside for commentary. Mudo's like hobbling around. He pretty much told the audience, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this match, but I'm going to do it. And then Naito came out. Maybe he's working a, us, Sean. Maybe he'll like pull out listen, a insult. Just get I, I out don't, of the wheelchair and deliver a, a, the best looking moonsault we've ever seen. I don't doubt that maybe he is emphasizing uh, or overemphasizing a little, but I have no doubt that this man, even on a good day, is getting around pretty, in pretty rough shape. But um, that does kind of add to the match that this man is being held together by God knows what. Um, but Naito just gave a very respectful interview. Like as a kid, this was his this was his hero, Mudo, and this is you know the 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 impetus for the stardust genius character taking on the wrestling genius so it was it was not like tranquilo naito it was you know this is my hero i'm taking on at the tokyo dome so i think the atmosphere will be incredible and it will overcompensate for whatever maybe physical limitations mudo has and i will there is no part of me that will ever discount a moonsault on february 21st yeah i don't think it's happening no and, uh, and Way and I are going to be doing a show that day for cafe members after the Tokyo Dome show. So that is next Tuesday. Um, fi- uh, finishing up on, on the New Japan front, the whole Battle in the Valley card is out for Saturday. So we have uh, Okada Tanahashi, which is listed last in the rundown, uh, followed by Kyrie and Mercedes Monet. Do you have a strong feeling on what, what match should be going on last that night? Do you think it should be Okada and Tanahashi? I... I would put the women on last personally. I think it establishes yeah. the title. And frankly, I mean, it's, it's not like the, again, this is not the biggest arena in the world, but this match did finish the sellout. Like they, they put this capacity in without the other match. And I think it would just, um, it really establishes this women's title as so significant that you're, that it is on last. But nonetheless, I, I feel like this is, uh, mm-hmm. you can argue either way. I think I think it would certainly be a statement. Um, I I personally don't expect it just because of the prestige attached to the IWGP, you know, heavyweight championship versus the women's championship, which um is brand new. Um, I don't expect it, but I I wouldn't discourage it either. Zack Saber Jr. defends the television title against Clark Connors, a filthy rules match between Tom Waller and Homicide. Jay White against Eddie Kingston. Motor City Machine Guns defend the strong openweight tag titles against Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson. Fred Rosser defending the openweight championship against Kenta. And then an eight-man tag with Josh Alexander, Rocky Romero, Adrian Quest, and Mascara Dorada against Kushida, Volador Jr., Kevin Knight, and the DKC. And on the kickoff show, we have David Finley against Bobby Fish and Alex Coughlin versus J.R. Kratos on, on Saturday night. I think it's a great looking card with an excellent roster of like, you know, like a real who's who I think of the American um, professional wrestling scene. That's not WWE signed. Um, just this backstage in terms of talent, like it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, this is a pretty great night of wrestling you're going to have between the WWE show and New Japan. You could go, uh, six, seven hours in a row. It's, and there is pretty much going to be no overlap because this New Japan card isn't starting, I think, until. Is it 11? Um, 
I think we had looked into this. We looked into this. I think it's ten o'clock because it, it might be, be ten um, Pacific time, um, uh, a seven o'clock start. But anyway, uh, but but this yeah, is on is fight. 10. It's on yeah. fight, not yes. world. Yeah, you can buy it as a separate pay per view on New Japan World or on Fight, but this does not come with your New Japan World subscription. Mm-hmm. They also have put out the brackets for the New Japan Cup that will start March the fifth, twenty four man tournament uh, this year, and it will feature. Uh, Sonata against Taichi in the opening round. The winner of that takes on Kenta, who gets a bye. Naito against Phantasmo. I am predicting a Phantasmo upset in the opening round over Naito. That's my prediction. And for whatever reason, Chase Owens is the one that gets a bye uh, past Naito. How did they pick, choose the byes here? I don't know what the um, thinking is because it's not as though like uh, Chase Owens really makes sense here. Like you have Kenta. Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., Great O'Conn, Tamatonga, and Hiroki Goto. Like I, I can almost understand all of them, to except for Owens and maybe Kenta. Um, the rest, I mean, you you have pretty much like title holders or recent title challengers, but nevertheless, um, Ren Narita versus Evil. The winner of that takes on Cobb. Toriyano against Mark Davis, and the winner of that takes on Will Ospreay. On the other side of the bracket, Yoshihashi versus Kyle Fletcher, and the winner of that faces Hiroki Goto. So they are teasing the idea of the tag champions facing each other, but I would see Kyle Fletcher beating at least one, if not both, and that likely sets up Aussie Open going for the tag titles again. Shingo Takagi against Aaron Hanare. Um, that's, that's maybe another possible upset, um, which this New Japan Cup is always full of upsets. Um, Tamatonga will face the winner of that. David Finley against Tomohiro Ishii. Winner faces Great Okan. Shota Umino against Yujiro. And the winner of that takes on Zack Sabre Jr. All right. Four rounds of the New Japan Cup. And that uh, goes until March the 21st. SmackDown this past weekend, it did 2,468,000 viewers, 0.64 in the demo. Once again, number one on television, a big increase among women, 18 to 49, and a big increase among women, 35 to 49. So it is Sami Zayn that is bringing in those female viewers way. They are cracking through into the mainstream. Um, However, if Sami Zayn's drawn big in the U.S., Canada following to its lowest viewership on Sportsnet 360 since December 23rd, uh, going against a Maple Leafs and Raptors game. So SmackDown needs to uh, know its role in the uh, in the sporting landscape here in Canada. But uh, a very strong number for SmackDown and probably going to be um, very strong this this Friday uh, for the night before. That's going to be a great crowd the night before Elimination Chamber. Rampage fell 8% in viewers, 375,000 viewers and a 0.12 in the demo, which was up slightly from last week. But um, in terms of overall viewership, uh, this would be their lowest since December and one of their lowest in their normal time slot ever. Uh, there was a big decrease among women, 18 to 49, and um, a stabilization of women, 35 to 49. This was going against uh, an NBA game, and they were sixth in their time slot for the night. And our last bit of news before we get into the Raw review is uh, coming up on Tuesday night. NXT has Grayson Waller against Tyler Bate, Axiom versus Damon Kemp, Thea Hale, who was abducted last week by the schism, is out of captivity and taking on Tiffany Stratton. Charlie Dempsey takes on Hank Walker. Wes Lee will have his open challenge for the North American title. Roxanne Perez teams with Mako Satomura against Katana Chance and Caden Carter. 
and J.C. Jane will explain her actions, throwing Gigi Dolan into a closed door, which looked horrible the next day with uh, the photo of Gigi Dolan, if you happen to see that. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday's Dynamite has uh, our Texas Tornado tag match with Roosh and Preston Vance against John Moxley and Claudio. Best friends Orange Cassidy and Danhausen against Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt, Mark Briscoe taking on Josh Woods, Bru- uh, Ruby Soho, Tony Storm, and Br- Baker in a triple threat match, Hangman Page against Kip Sabian, Brian Cage against Jack Perry, MJF is on the show, Adam Cole's interview with Renee, and Jim Ross sits down with Wardlow. That's a lot of things happening on Dynamite. As usual. Yes, yes, as usual. But uh, that is that is all coming up uh, this week. And also coming up this week will be a new edition of Small Talk dropping on Tuesday for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. We will be talking about things large and small on Small Talk. Um, do you have any topics you want to request ahead of time so I can um, uh, formulate opinions with? None whatsoever. Oh, I go okay. into these completely cold and we'll see what happens. So. Uh, it's just our way of, uh, you know, th- throwing some love out there for all of our double, double ice cap and espresso patrons. So look for that in your inboxes and podcast feeds. Uh, also so, some highlights this week, Thursday, I'm going to be joined by John Nash, who is a great reporter at bloodyelbow.com. Um, his reporting was, um, it, what went into the recent story we discussed about the UFC contract changes. So we are going to be discussing uh, more of that on Thursday on the site. So you can check that out. Uh, but then Friday, we are off to Montreal and we will be doing rewind to SmackDown that night after we attend SmackDown. So members at postwrestlingcafe.com will get that show. We will also be live for everybody Saturday night with a elimination chamber post show after we attend the Bell Center, and we will discuss all the fallout of that event. Also coming up this week, we've got the wellness policy on Thursday. What is the topic this month? Well, first of all, it's Neil, our man Neil's birthday. So it'll be a big celebration for Neil. And we've given him the choice of picking his own topic. And he has chosen the topic of friendship. How do we maintain our friendships as we get up there in age and, you know, have less excuses and we're get, we're kind of caught up and, and busy seeing each other? Um, so yeah, we'll be spending a, a whole hour plus talking about that. And we're hoping as always for interaction from the post wrestling community. So look for our uh, social media links for a link to tune in live Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You know how I maintain my friendship with some of my oldest friends? We, you record we- podcasts with them. I record podcasts with them, and mm-hmm. I also make plans to go see potentially terrible movies with them, as I will be making my long-awaited return to the movie theater in a two-weeks' time way. I will be going, and after three and a half years since my last movie-going experience, the movie that will bring John Pollock back to a theater is Cocaine Bear. Oh, okay. Interesting. I mean, I don't know where you're, you're going to go. You could have gone you know, uh, Ant-Man. You could have gone Creed. Uh, cocaine bear. Cool. That's what I'm going to see. That sounds it was, like a it great was the time. title sponsor of a UFC 284 over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. it's it a, it's not... a movie that it, I mean, very much like Snakes on a Plane. I'm sure um, it it kind of sells itself based off the title, right? I feel it's going to be a hit, although it could bomb. Um, it's it's going to be one of the mm. other. It'll either be a It'll great, probably make funny money. joke. The fact, yeah, the, I mean, I don't know how much it would have cost to make, but I'm sure the concept alone is is enough to interest. Um. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to uh, pull off uh, something of the, this caliber. So Cocaine anyway. anything. You know, cocaine blank, I think. you. This you, could be the start of a franchise. Yeah, sure. 
All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. Uh, postwrestlingcafe.com will have three bonus shows this week. Uh, Small Talk, Rewind to SmackDown, and WH and Karen will do a Battle in the Valley post show on the cafe this Sunday. So we have all shows covered this week. Uh, a long and winding Royal Road dropping with WH and uh, John Cena. And they will not be reviewing what John Cena saw in person tonight at the Barclays Center. Instead, they're going back to 95 to chat Rob Van Dam and Dan, and Dan Crawford. Mm-hmm. Rob yeah. Van Dam Crawford. Um, they they could have called that their tag team. Sure. Yeah. On to Raw we go from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Maybe a main event that people will want to check out because we had Braun Breaker beating Akira Tozawa in less than four minutes and Wendy Chu beating Dana Brooke. So both NXT participants getting W's on this week's main event. Yeah, Sino uh, let me know that Breaker received a really good reaction in New York. Um, as always, you know, I think these are just maybe we can look a bit deeper and, and suggest that they might they might not just be main event appearances, but also chances for the uh, people in the main roster, in charge of the main roster, to get some looks at them. So um, we can continue to speculate when a call up might might occur for either of those two. Becky Lynch started the show with Adam Pierce in the ring. She thanks Lita for having her back last week and, uh, and that Lita forgave her for being a weirdo last year. Yeah. They, they had quite the, the feud, but it's all water under the bridge between Becky and Lita. But now her path to WrestleMania is unclear. So she, she suggests to Pierce that she fight her way into the elimination chamber match tonight. Bailey comes out and was like, no, this is stupid and says Lita did all the work last week for her and, they argue about their accomplishments. Bianca Belair comes out and she wants to face the best of the best at WrestleMania. And then a triple threat match is made with Belair, Becky, and Bailey for tonight. Where if Becky or Bailey win, they get into the chamber and the chamber will start as a three way. If Belair wins, neither of them gets into the chamber. So this felt yeah. like, um, if I was Bianca Belair, I was like, I, I shouldn't have interrupted. I could have avoided all of this tonight. <laughs> well, she's a baby face who loves, you know, who has incredible competitive spirit. And uh, she's not just going to sit in catering for the night. She'll want, the, you know, the biggest challengers. So um, that seemed to be the justification. I, I think maybe more notable for me was um, I the lack of follow-up on the Lita attachment to Becky Lynch. Um, it could be that they're delaying it, but... Um, I also wonder if it just simply means last week was a make good for what was to be a one-off appearance at Raw's Triple X that they ended up having to delay. So could she be not figured in at all to WrestleMania plans? Lita, you're talking about. Lita, yes. Yeah, to me, like Becky and Lee, like it would be a Becky connection. And that doesn't really feel like a big thing for WrestleMania for at Becky. this point I don't think it's big enough you know I don't think I, I don't think Alita or Trish return unless it's the right matchup is is necessarily big enough because we've seen them back so often you know yeah um I mean she did bring up Lita here but I I guess we will see I mean it's going to be sort of it we'll get into it later but it really feels like be- every year they do this where the one person who has no path to WrestleMania am I not going to get booked at WrestleMania it seems Becky has drawn that card for this year's show Will she have to buy a ticket like John Cena did that year? Um, probably not. Yeah. Maybe she can get a two for one with Lita, her best friend, and they can, uh, they can do a watch along. Um, they could. Yeah. 
Saxton is with the Judgment Day, and uh, Dominic says that he knows what it's like to be locked up, which Priest is going to find out in the chamber. And Priest is going to run the chamber just like Dominic ran the block. And they say Ripley is still away promoting WrestleMania. And Balor says that tonight the Street Profits will get rolled up, bowled up, and smoked up. Mm-hmm. I, don't know if they, I don't know if they uh, check the box on all three, but we can determine it here in this match. The Street Profits against Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Early on, chance of We Want Mommy. Which I think were directed at Rhea Ripley. I don't think people were individually calling out for their mothers. Probably not, no. Dawkins got a hot tag and hit the silencer onto Balor and then lifted up Balor for a midair German by Ford and they hit their blockbuster off the shoulders of Dawkins. This thing needs a name. It just needs any any type of name other than a blockbuster off the shoulders. Dawkins then tosses Dom into the ring and hits him with a pounce, but then gets caught with a sling blade, shotgun dropkick, and Balor pins him with the coup de grace. Seven minutes and 35 seconds as the Judgment Day, or at least Balor here, goes into Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. You well, know, good stuff. On the card. Yeah. Good stuff as usual, I thought, from Dawkins and Ford. You know, they're a team that's pretty much on sort of setup duty right now. They're a supporting act for all the people that are actually in, involved in feuds and matches on these pay-per-views. But um, every time they're out there, I think they continue to impress. So I, I do sense the audiences are probably ready for them to get another real run with the championships at some point or just something, you know. Um, so I thought it was a good match. Yeah, it was um, short, but, you know, the Judgment Day, they are just building up as much as they can, especially for this Saturday. They continue to beat down the Street Profits when Edge and Beth run down. And once again, Beth goes for the Glam Slam on Dominic when Rhea Ripley returns and she hits Beth with the Riptide. Edge comes to her aid, and that is when we get a peek at the brand new Grit Couple t-shirt that Edge was wearing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is going to be selling like hotcakes in Montreal. You're going to pick up a grit couple t-shirt? Um No. No. Are you? No. I'm not going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was a cute little like comeback at the Miz, you know, when they were involved in that feud with uh, Maurice and Miz. Um is it is it a a great name? When you're separated from the Miz, does it still work? I don't know. Whatever. There is footage of uh, Patrick Mahomes wearing his uh, honorary WWE championship belt that was made for him. Um, I will say this. This is the greatest publicity WWE could ask for, that the Super Bowl winning quarterback is walking around like uh, any dozens of fans that you will see at an arena he's holding on to this belt he's taking pictures with this on one shoulder and the vince lombardi trophy um this is a very smart marketing by wwe and the fact that they can get this level of exposure on at the super bowl yeah it's great no absolutely i mean um i feel like there's a way you could satisfy both you know when it comes to these sort of marketing decisions i always like kind of shudder whenever it's strictly marketing and you know you kind of sacrifice they don't know any other way and if you you're sacrifice... looking for subtlety look, look, look at this thing it, there's nothing subtle about this it's screaming wwe <laughs> well i mean I, and you sacrifice like i think um a, a bit of like taste and a bit of artistry you know just so that you could get a billboard up there 
for your championship belt. I I don't know if if that's you know what you have to do. Um, I think AEW like has a pretty good compromise where like the championship that they have is actually beautiful, but it still has the logo right up in front. Um, so I you know whatever. Like at this point, it's it's so ingrained in our like they've had this championship for like ten years now, haven't they? Yeah. So it, 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 I'm I'm kind of used to it, and it doesn't really bother me a whole lot. But hey, that's the thing about championships. Even if you have, do you think Patrick Mahomes has sat down to watch a second of Raw? Um, I don't know at any point in the past. Like, when was when would he have ever? I I don't even know. He's probably too busy and before too rich. Monday Night Football season. Uh, sure, but even if you haven't watched a second of Raw in ten years, I mean, it's still pretty cool to have a championship belt when you're celebrating something. Every everybody who's ever an athlete wants to hold up a championship belt. Do you know what the other wrestling championship belt that got showcased during the Super Bowl broadcast was? Slap fight. No. What? We got an ad. Oh, NWA. Yeah. The Tyrus. Tyrus holding that NWA championship. So this is uh it it is funny. It is gonna be one of those things where it's like Look at all the millions of people that saw this NWA championship and what it's going to mean. It's going to mean nothing, but it's the idea. Like, I always hear that argument. It's like so many people saw this, but it's like it's not going to lead to one new person finding power. Yeah, um, I, I, I saw the ad and I wasn't even sure if it was Tyrus or not. Um, I don't even know how many people will recognize the belt. And I don't know if it any of it means really anything and we do we even know that's exactly why billy corgan made him the champion you know maybe it's just like having tyrus's presence on fox in general that that's part of it um whatever said yeah Yeah, there was there was quite a lot of wrestling you had the undertaker on the DraftKings ad you had um both the guardians and fast 10 trailers so you had seen and batista represented uh, several wrestlers were were there. Britt Baker was there. Orange Cassidy was there. The Bellas were there. So there were those point. And um, I mean, it was great for WWE, like because Fox had the broadcast this year. So you got um, a, a great, SmackDown a great match. SmackDown spot that they produced. Mm-hmm. Um, WWE got a lot out of this Super Bowl. Like there is when you are partners with a uh, the network that is hosting the Super Bowl, and Fox will have it again in two years. I mean, there's there's perks to having it, and just a sign of hey, we're going to use some of our ad inventory to promote uh, SmackDown in house. I mean that that certainly is um, you know a signal of what they see as a, one of their priority programs for Friday nights. Adam Pierce oversees the contract signing for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. So this was funny. Pierce notes that Lesnar already signed the contract last week. So tonight is about Bobby Lashley coming out to sign the contract. But that that required Brock to have to come all the way here to Brooklyn for this signature to be made by Bobby Lashley. There wasn't a whole lot for Brock to do here other than be present. Yeah, I guess they needed a witness. Um, I guess so. Sure. Sometimes, like, these are really funny observations. I have no, like, response to them. Unfortunately, John, you know, so I wish I had a laugh track that I could play instead. You would you would love how just uproariously I'm laughing to myself as I watch these these shows. So Lashley comes out with an army of security and he's got his own table set up at the entrance and he looks over the contract, but he's not sure he's going to sign it. So the crowd chants, 
Bobby's scared. And Lesnar, you knew when all the security guys were coming out, these are all tackling dummies for Brock. And he just went insane, destroying these poor guys. And then he runs at Lashley, and he gets back body dropped on the ramp, followed by a spear by Lashley, who signs the contract, tosses it onto Lesnar, and the last shot is Lesnar smiling as he's uh, selling the spear on the floor. But he got his signed contract from Montreal on Saturday. And mm. a match that will be interesting to see if this is the end of this program or if this is going to just be a holdover and they extend this to Mania because there's not the obvious direction for either guy, if not each other, for WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if if Brock has, Brock has somebody else, I don't think you just, you know, have Lashley sit on the sidelines or maybe have some sort of, like, feud built up right away. Um, So I'm expecting a pretty unsatisfying conclusion on Saturday um, that takes us to a rematch at WrestleMania. A slap fight? Uh, on Saturday? No, WrestleMania. You need oh, a sl- WrestleMania slap maybe they, fight. Maybe they do an MMA fight at WrestleMania. Um, sure. Yeah. Like a worked uh, MMA fight. Well, what, what, whatever, what does that mean? So, so they can't throw each other. They can't Irish whip. Uh, you could still do an F5 in a, yeah, in a worked MMA fight. What is a worked MMA fight in a pro wrestling context? You do the fight pit. Right. So just what? No, ropes. I'm just coming up with idea. I think if, if you're going to extend this, you need some big step. I, cause I, I don't know if this one has the, the juice to go another month and a half. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I thought the the segment, you know, um, it was unique in that. I I mean, Lashley. I guess not necessarily unique. That's sort of been the theme of the entire program, right? But you know, it's that Lashley has come out on top. He's looked strong at least to close these segments, as he says every single time. So I thought it was pretty intense uh, of a beatdown, as Brock Lesnar beatdowns usually are. Uh, this except this time it was him that was taking some of the big punishment throughout this. So, um. I don't know how excited I am to see this ad on Saturday just because I don't have much of an expectation of, of something conclusive, but it could still be pretty spectacular. You know, I'll tell you what, like, you know, might build up interest is like Brock Lesnar coming out with a forklift and flipping the ring over. I mean, a stunt like that, you know, like they they could do something pretty spectacular to like get people talking that might throw I, the match out. I'd hate to be the match has to follow that after the forklift tips the ring over. Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. The cha- the entire chamber with like a flipped over ring. Okay, well I'm running for the lobby if I see a forklift coming out with this dude behind the wheel. <laughs> uh, Piper Niven against Meechin. Uh dude, there was a spot here where Meechin went for this tilt a whirl into a DDT, and Piper Niven took this DDT like Rob Van Dam used to take DDT. She went down, <laughs> she went down vertically on her head and just. Either took the world's greatest DDT or this, she just looked like she got slammed on her head. Corey Graves was very aghast at how Niven got up from this. It looked nuts. Uh, but Meechin, uh, follows with chops, then eats a senton, and Niven hits the black hole slam that Graves says is like being slammed into the abyss, and it now has a name, the Loch Ness Slam. As Niven wins in two minutes and 42 seconds. Don't know how I feel about the Loch Ness Slam. Um, you'll get used to it. You know, the way you, you got used to bl- the black hole slam. I mean, is that that much better? It sounds better, but maybe mm. Loch Ness will grow on me. Right. I, I thought the effort, um, made on commentary by Corey Graves throughout the broadcast as, you know, he tried to put over several new giants in Piper Niven in a, 
um, uh, Bronson Reed, I, I, I thought was pretty strong here. You know, I thought they certainly gave Piper Niven like a special treatment that I thought for the most part was effective. Um, where I feel like, you know, things could have improved was perhaps I, the match started off with like a good amount of intensity, but I thought they failed to kind of keep that momentum up throughout the match. It felt to me like towards the last couple minutes, the match was just kind of lingering rather than ending with like something more emphatic, you know, um, and something a bit more memorable in, in like Piper Niven's dominance. And, Maybe it's better off if like these types of matches are like shorter and higher energy and more physically impressive because she needs to wow people. You know, this is her real chance to just like be like the Brock Lesnar of this division. I'll say one theme of this show was this was an audience that they were they were losing their minds for all the big stars and big moments on the show. But when the bell rang for most of these matches, I mean, it was just a a noticeable decrease, but, mm-hmm. but then you'd get like the contract signing. They went nuts for that. The upcoming Zane Cody segment, like the, when the big stars were out, they were all in, but when the wrestling sort of settled in, like th- this audience just went down multiple notches. And I think that hurt it, some of the matches. It maybe it might've been a, a, a you know, um, a, a crowd that cared more about story and plot points rather than wrestling um, and action. Don't let the wrestling get in the way of the wrestling show. Yes. Kathy Kelly interviews Baron Corbin, who says he had a depressing week. But before he can go on, Kathy Kelly cuts to the ring where Sami Zayn has stormed into the ring and he's in his hoodie and he says he has he has someone to address and he doesn't know if he'll have a chance after Saturday. So he calls out Cody Rhodes and man, was this crowd amped to see Cody Rhodes and he comes out and it's our face to face with these two. Zane mentions what Cody said last week with Paul Heyman in the ring, that it's looking more like Cody and Zane will be the match at WrestleMania. So Zane puts him on the spot and says, was that lip service or do you believe that I can beat Roman Reigns? Cody says, I didn't say things to BS you. It's what I believe and asks, what do you believe, Sammy? This crowd breaks into a this is awesome chant as two men are talking. Mm hmm. I, I was right with them, John, you know, cause I don't, I mean, th- this was a, a surprise on this show. It was not something they announced and I don't know if it would have been something that, um, anybody would have been banking on there. They have, you know, a, a very unique situation now where both of them are, I think in the, in the hearts of the audience vying for a WrestleMania main event spot, even though by this point it's been, it's pretty decided that it's Cody Rhodes in that spot. But nonetheless, you know, this is an audience that, um, is still very much maybe uh, hoping for Sami Zayn to get that same level of treatment and attention. And I think the last thing you would expect the WWE to do is to put both sort of like op- opposing forces in the ring together because of the potential harm that you could put, you could do to the both of them. But um, so yeah, it's it's not an expected thing, but like nonetheless, both the audience sees both these guys as major stars at this moment in time. So I totally understood that chant. This was also an incredible faith in these performers that, mm-hmm. on, on the surface, you could look at this as like th- this could go a different way. This is in New York. It's like who knows if like this this is not the time that we want to be risking Cody getting booed anywhere. And they believe. Listen, we. This is not a case of we have this um, 
we have a plan and then the crowd is taking over. It's like, we've got two great stories and we have some great performers spread out in these stories. And we're going to put two of our tremendous performers in the ring and they're going to knock it out of the park. And we're just going to heighten each of their stories respect respectively. And that's what came out of this. Uh, the crowd starts singing Olay and Zane doesn't know, he says, if he can beat Reigns. Because he has been in the trenches with the bloodline. He has seen them strategize. Roman always finds a way. God mode is not a catchphrase. And he has seen Roman plow through bigger opponents, stronger opponents than him. But does he know that he is capable of beating Roman? Yes. Does he believe he's worthy of being a main event at WrestleMania? Yes, he does. Because if he doesn't believe that, no one else will. But if you're asking him if he's going to walk out of Montreal as champion, he doesn't know. The crowd starts yelling, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And Cody says, the people know. Your hometown knows. And the fact is, Sammy, there's dissension in the bloodline all because of you. You are responsible for that crack in the armor. You're responsible for this awesome moment uh, in time that we are living through. Reigns is the man. But Cody intends to finish his story at WrestleMania. Sammy, you need to finish your story. And I don't want to see you here next Monday on Raw. I'd rather see you at WrestleMania. A great segment. And I think it just it just strengthened both, both going in. And believe me, as much as uh, anyone can look at the main event of WrestleMania... Once that match is like heated up with Reigns and Zayn, you're going to have an entire arena that is going to be believing Sami Zayn can win this match. And I think that this segment, let's just go out there and sell you on Cody versus Zayn as much as we can. That all you need is that shred of doubt, I think, to make for that unbelievable atmosphere for a match. And I think they more than have that for Saturday. Completely, completely. I I really thought this was an incredibly brilliant segment on several levels that I think solved a lot of their problems. And honestly, by this point, the Cody segments on Raw have gone so well that I don't even think there's really any problem with people um, turning on Cody, you know, um, because Sami Zayn is not getting that role. I mean, Cody is really earning the respect of the audience, and I don't think people are going to complain. But they, I thought, played such a brilliant move here to completely negate any of that possibility even from occurring. You know, you have a lot of the audience that really wants to see Sami Zayn in that role at at this point. Um, But by having Cody being positioned as not somebody who wants Sami's role, but as somebody who wants Sami in Roman's role, you know, you're basically creating a scenario if you're a fan cheering for both baby faces where you could see the both of them. And we both know that that's not happening at all. You know, Roman Reigns is main event at WrestleMania. But nonetheless, if you're cheering for the good guys, now you have a reason to want to cheer on Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes at the very same time. And if Sami Zayn happens to fail on Saturday, well, then you can at least cheer for his friend, Cody Rhodes. So it completely negates any sort of like negative feeling somebody might have for Cody Rhodes taking a Sami Zayn's role at the same time you're you're using cody Rhodes to build up this match on saturday and you're giving incredible credibility for a chance of Sami Zayn actually being able to beat roman reigns and it of course it took some excellent writing if there was you know that much involvement from writers 
And it also took two incredible performers to execute this, you know, very risky plan. As you said, John, um, Cody has been like batting a thousand with these promos. Um, and Sami Zayn, you know, in this like baby face light, I think has been fantastic as well. I got like so many like Mick Voley vibes from, from this guy, you know, just the desperation, the fear in his voice. Um, the beard beard i guess you know and but predominantly i think the mental anguish you know that this guy seems to exemplify he's very much like a mick foley type of um, this is very much like a lot of parallels to like 99 like d- different roles everyone's playing but you have like austin rock was the direction and mick foley was mick foley just caught fire in 99 but they you know they had their plan of where they were going uh with but you know you can certainly you can draw some parallels he's the guy who's not necessarily supposed to be here he's not supposed to be in this situation but he is because he's that talented and because the audience willed him in this position and i think he's they're they're he's exemplifying that 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 doubt of whether or not he truly deserves this spot wonderfully um and you know to have cody rhodes not necessarily play somebody who is opposing him but to say you you do deserve to be here i think just makes you want to cheer for the both of them and makes you want to see both of them succeed yeah a great segment and honestly a match that you can go to at some point as well later this year and that was the other thing that they managed to do in this segment they built everything you know, now you want to see Cody versus Roman more. You believe in Sami Zayn possibly winning that match more. You want to see Cody versus Roman Reigns more. Now, and you also want to see Cody versus Sami Zayn. They hit every checkbox, you know, that they needed to, that they could have. Carmella's in the back with uh, Nikki Cross and Asuka, and she gets freaked out by the two of them. And then Candice LeRae walks up to Nikki Cross asking, Why you're following me in the airport? It's going too far. <laughs> It's like that. That's where she draws the line. And uh, Nikki just laughs maniacally. And Kevin Patrick asks us, how will they coexist? We'll find out later. So after all this time, Corbin is still hanging out with Kathy Kelly, waiting for his interview. And we get back to it. And he says he's better off without JBL. JBL was dragging him down. He's a has-been. And he's upset about his interview time getting cut. And he says... That Roman Reigns is going to destroy Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber and brings up the fact that he is the last person to beat Roman Reigns back when we were feuding over dog food. Is that right? Yes, of course. When, uh, well, yeah. Um, they mentioned yeah. that so much. I, I imagine, you know, I, it- I almost feel like. <laughs> Usually I'm nine times out of 10. I always love when they draw from like the past and reference stuff like that. Corbin is such a joke at this point that I almost would keep that out of people's memory that this guy beat Roman Reigns at any point. I don't know if it, this really, uh, does, it does nothing for Corbin and to me only, uh, yeah, n- nonetheless. So then he starts running down Cody and Cody is just calmly behind him. And uh, overhears this, and he's kind of taking it in stride as he's uh, mocking his injury, stated he was handed the number 30 spot, but says that Cody's a joke, his brother's a joke, his dad's a joke, and he's about to call his daughter a joke when Cody has had too much, and he attacks Corbin. And it was interesting because on the MMA Hour today... uh, Ariel brought up the fact of like using your dad for promos. Like, is there like, is there like too much of it? And it's like, is it off putting at all that, you know, he's, he's passed on. 
And Cody said, like, his rule is that if you're someone that had no connection to Dusty, didn't work with him, then it's off limits. But for the people that worked with him, such as those that were his contemporaries or those that he he worked with in the Performance Center, uh, then there is a, a story to tell. But this was one of those where it just... I do feel that sometimes they just the dusty button is the easiest button to push, and this would certainly be an example of it. It's like this is setting up a nothing so. two minute match on TV. I I didn't really get turned off like by any sort of feeling of like overuse of of dusty. I just kind of take it to be like you know the sore spot for Cody Rhodes that somebody would go to. Um, it's 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 on his chest, you know, it's his attachment to his dad. It's in his name. Um, it's, it's basically his entire, entire identity almost. So, um, I didn't take too much sort of, but you know, this is also a Baron Corbin who seeming, who seemingly using everything that he can in order to like drive up any sort of hate, heat and interest, including, um, downplaying the, uh, potential of a Zami Zayn win, you know, um, he's using everything, you know, to try to get some interest in, in him. Well, Rhodes is in his suit, and he turns this into a match and hits him with a suicide dive, Cody Cutter, and then wins with the crossroads in two minutes and eight seconds as uh, Baron Corbin is just sinking and sinking. Um, but Cody Rhodes beats the last guy to beat Roman Reigns. Wow. Okay. Yep. So that means he's going to win. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought it, I appreciated the fact that, like, this was essentially a match to follow a promo. Uh, and it didn't require Corbin coming out, cutting a heel promo, and then like Teddy Long coming out and making a match. This was a little bit different having Cody walk into frame and hearing somebody and then choosing to walk out himself in his suit. So keeps Cody's momentum up, you know, uh, on a week where he's not featured on Saturday's card. But um, I would say he still definitely fulfilled his um, big segment of the week quota. Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, and Natalia are in the back, and Natalia complains about Becky and Bailey getting another chance to be in the chamber match. Liv doesn't care, and then Raquel shouts them down after they start arguing because they too have to coexist and represent the good name of SmackDown. It's Oscar, Carmella, and Nikki Cross against Raquel, Liv Morgan, and Natalia. So, um, by default, uh, since Raquel and Liv are baby faces, and I guess Carmella and Nikki are heels. Um, the SmackDown team got the babyface role of clearing the ring as they went to commercial break and uh, getting the crowd behind them. So Graves says Natalia getting a hometown reaction this Saturday in Montreal is as silly as me expecting a hometown reaction when I'm in California. Do you know how big Canada is? <laughs> Which is a, a great point that Canada is often referred to as the world's largest hometown. You can be from Calgary. And you're a hometown favorite in Montreal on Saturday. Maybe, maybe we're more so going by, I think, population and like, um, attention, really, you know? Yeah, they're not, they're not going to Calgary for a pay per view, at least not, not soon. Raquel caught Carmella and then Nikki is on her back and Asuka comes in with kicks. And then Asuka starts attacking her own partners before submitting Liv with the new kind of rings of Saturn that she used last week and used again here. Submitting Liv Morgan of all people in 724. I guess Liv yeah. was the, uh, the one to, uh, that they that decided could, could tap instead of Natalia. Well, I mean, Raquel is like somebody who with that you could actually maybe uh, <laughs> accept as having a, a bit of a chance. I mean, she's a giant. They want to protect her. Natalia is also just coming back from injury. So unfortunately, that meant live. Um, I thought 
I think the the chamber is hurt just by having a, like a really weak women's roster where you really can't buy anybody. Honestly, the only person you can buy winning was is Oscar. If we're being serious, um, and I also think like the looming possibility of like either Becky or Bailey being injected into the match at the end of the night probably took away from me like the um relevance of a match like this and the star power of a match like this knowing that you know we're we, we want to find out if becky or bailey are attached to this it kind of makes everybody else not feel like stars then we go to a close-up of otis eating a hot dog that he got at a uh, uh, coney island local, at coney island yeah and chad gable uh, throws the hot dog away and it hits Monsoir right in the face. I don't know how Gable missed these guys that were uh, standing right there. And maximum male models are there. And Maxine says that they are looking for a new face and physique for a new campaign. And Chad Gable says, uh, I'm only into role modeling. And uh, they explain, no, we're referring to Otis. <laughs> and they pass Otis a business card. And uh, this is where we are going. This is the whole impetus for Maximum male models to be on Raw to uh, do comedy with Otis. I don't hate it, you know, for mid-card comedy. I, I think there's sort of a bit of a natural fit for one another. Um, they they tried very briefly to have some sort of serious run with Otis, and it's just he's just not that, you know. He was arguably the most interesting and the most over when he was doing the stuff with Mandy Rose, and this seems to be a bit of a, you know, um, callback to that type of heartthrobby kind of Otis, which I think could be entertaining. Bronson Reed and Mustafa Ali. Ali, he's just linked to Zolf Ziggler. So last week, he is running down Bronson Reed to Ziggler and stating how if I had been in the qualifying match, I would have beaten Reed to get into the chamber. And wouldn't you know it, Bronson Reed is right there overhearing them. So if there's one thing to learn in WWE, if you're going to talk smack about someone, text. Because someone is always lurking. Whether it's Cody or Bronson Reed, you don't know who's listening, but or Roman you Reigns. do get you get you do get TV time out of this. Yeah, well, some AEW talent should take notes. Like maybe this is this is how you get on television: is you uh, you just talk talk about someone and make sure they're just in the locker room right across from where you're speaking. But do you want to face Bronson Reed though? If you're Ali, uh, they, they had an okay match, but you're going to lose in like two minutes. Well, he's uh, he had a fighting chance, I guess. Uh, Reed pretty much just decapitated him. Uh, there was a shoulder tackle off the apron, and then he catches Ali and throws him into the timekeeper's area onto all of these chairs, which looked like a really fun landing. Ali managed the tornado DDT. Reed kicks out at one, and then as Ali does his somersault, he is met with a clothesline, and again, the crowd is like just pretty subdued, but then Reed climbs to the top, and they're all alive for the tsunami, and Reed hits it to win in three minutes and 14 seconds. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah, big showcase for Reed, hard hitting, spectacular looking bumps from Ali here. This was the sort of like big spot memorable performance I was hoping that Piper Niven was also able to give us. Um, but I thought in both cases, I think Corey did a really good job with his enthusiasm for both giants. And in this case, I thought it worked really well to make Bronson Reed seem like a big deal. They've done a good job of making the tsunami feel like a significant move. Um to the point where this Brooklyn crowd immediately recognized it as soon as he made the motion to climb to the top. Yeah. I mean, it's a really big match for him in this chamber on, on Saturday. I mean, when you mm -hmm. look at the talent, like that should be an excellent match. 
Kathy Kelly interviews Edge and Beth, and Edge is tired of this past year with the Judgment Day. And Beth says, we're going to remind them why we are called the Grit Couple. We're going to find out on Saturday, Way They're going to remind us. Ms. TV, this was the ultimate ridiculous outfit of Seth Rollins. Can you describe these boots that he was wearing? Um, They look like oversized um, boots that I think are like what? Mario (laughs) boots or Sonic (laughs) boots maybe? I couldn't even imagine. Like the weight of these. Like I imagine like it's maybe like foam or like they look like they could be heavy to maneuver. Like a few steps in that, like down a ramp, getting a little tired. Some sort of, yeah, some sort of foam, you know, rubbery substance. I bet these things are like $3,000 too. Maybe, maybe. Well, Miz says that Rollins' attention seems divided between the U.S. title and the I'm doing I'm doing a bit of research on these boots. Evidently, they're Go ahead, some sort research. of viral sensation here. Oh. Uh, looks like why these absurd. So this Grand. is from businessinsider.com. Why these absurd red boots are suddenly all over TikTok and Twitter and listing for as much as one thousand dollars on StockX. I mean, so, for a fashion statement, that's not too crazy a price, I guess, for for these. That must be the hot item. MSCHF's oversized big red boots have taken social media by storm. The shoes are drawing comparisons to shoes seen on fictional cartoon characters such as Astro Boy. MSCHF, founded in 2016, is known for created art, creating art concepts that poke fun at facets of everyday life. Okay. Well, there there you there have you it. Go. The story so, behind So they're the a meme. Astro Boy boots. Okay, yeah. I totally see it. Cool. Rollins uh, does not want to talk about Logan Paul. Uh, Miz also told the crowd to pipe down if you want to hear singing. He'd rather listen to Taylor Swift, and you're just jealous because I got tickets. So Miz asks Rollins, why won't you talk about Logan Paul here in WWE, but you will talk about him on social media or on Pat McAfee's show? And Rollins gets upset. Shut up, Mike. And Rollins says he doesn't want to talk about Logan Paul because of that. As he points to the WrestleMania sign, because that dream matters to me and it matters to you and it matters to all the people in this arena, but it doesn't matter to Logan Paul. He's selfish and only cares about lining his pockets. He doesn't deserve to be spoken about in this ring. And Miz says, it sounds like you're a bit jealous. So Rollins calls him stupid and Miz points out, you and I are the only Grand Slam champions, but I've headlined WrestleMania and you haven't. You keeping score? They're both Grand Slam champions. And Mm -hmm. then he makes fun of his Super Mario boots. And that is the line that Rollins will not allow to be crossed. Cody's line is dusty. Rollins is the Astro Boy boots. So he attacks him. Austin Theory then shows up. And then Miz attacks Rollins, avoids a skull-crushing finale. Rollins does and super kicks him. And the only spot this crowd wanted to see was Rollins hit the stomp in these ridiculous boots, which he did to the Miz before Theory hit A-Town down. And it's Theory standing tall at the end of the segment. And Miz is left dead in the ring as Rick Boogs is ready for their match coming up next. Yeah, yeah. A good build, I thought, for Rollins versus Paul. Um, you know, he's for somebody who doesn't want to talk about him, he certainly does uh, a lot, not just on Raw, but also in uh, TV interviews. And these boots, I think, are very over. <laughs> you know, I didn't know they were necessarily a viral sensation, but I mean, what better to curb stomp a viral superstar than do, with do you, do you get a viral second, boots? Do you get a second wearing out of these boots? 
Um, yeah, I think so. I think they really work. They actually accentuate the finish. You know, like he's lucky that he has a finisher that, I mean, I'm sure that's the whole point, right? You know, he, he's got interesting footwear for interesting, uh, an interesting finish. I think this is a WrestleMania boot. John. He should have saved him for WrestleMania, maybe. Well, maybe he's building, I mean, maybe he'll have an even bigger pair of boots that are $10,000. Okay, um, that's that's something to hook you for WrestleMania. What could he work in? So Rick Boogs is with Elias as uh, the slightly reformed Hurt Business are talking in the background, maybe wondering why they're not booked on Raw this week. And Elias notes a lot of similarities between them and not to let the pressure get to you, uh, being compared to Elias. And Elias mentions a potential <laughs> collaboration, and Rick Boogs loves this as he is booging out at the option of teaming with Elias. This is the tag team I've never asked for, but I guess I will be getting. I mean, it, it sounds like it, it'd be quite the team to maybe pair up against um, the maximum male models in Otis. O Otis, I should say. You know, There's a lot of mid-card comedy um, on a three-hour show like Raw. Uh, this happens to be one of them. I don't hate it if it's kept to the mid-card and not dominant over the entire show. Uh, something interesting for Elias, who has had nothing since Ezekiel. Do you think Shinsuke Nakamura just sits back and watches that that entrance for the Mudo match just on a weekly basis, or do you think he doesn't even bother? He just it's it, there's no wrestling that consumes him in between. Uh, well, he's, he's setting up for a big return at the in the Andre Battle Royal this year, I think. Okay, so that's a goal. That's a goal for him. Boogs comes out, Miz protests, the bell rings, and Boogs destroys the Miz military press into a slam and beats the Miz in a minute. The team player, Mike Mazzini. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's two weeks in a row now of like squashes against uh, Rick Boogs. And I don't know. I, I still feel like the Miz is, is a bit better than this because he is somebody you'll occasionally pair up with a Logan Paul or something. And um, I don't know how much Rick Boogs necessarily gains from it either. So, you know, whatever. They've they really like, you know, putting a lot behind this Boogs and Elias feud. Yeah, the Boogs Elias program. Yeah. Chelsea Green is with Adam Pierce, and she informs him she has sent a strongly worded memo to her manager. And Pierce says, yes, I received the memos. I am the manager. And she wants a redo to get into the chamber match and wants into the triple threat. Pierce says, not a chance. And Green warns Pierce not to touch her, and she feels threatened. And then Pierce walks out. Mm-hmm. Pierce is going to be like the make or break. Like his selling of this character is going to be the key to this character having legs. Um, we'll we'll see. Like as I said, as a, as a part of the show, I think I think Chelsea's great in the role. We will see how long this goes, um, and if they can keep the joke going. I think it has to evolve eventually. You know, like it, it's it's perfectly fine right now. It's sort of being this like one note Karen character, but like um, eventually she she's going to have to translate this to like. I think serious in-ring performances. And when I say serious, I don't mean like, you know, I, I see her winning the championship, but something that at least makes me want to see a substantial five-minute match involving her, something that can actually generate heat, you know? Um, again, <laughs> there's a lot of mid-card comedy on this show, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it needs more. Saxton is with the Judgment Day. This was Byron Saxton's question. After tonight's attack on Edge and Beth Phoenix... <laughs> Do you feel like you have the upper hand going into Saturday? No, Byron. We feel we are at a distinct disadvantage. We're really worried about Saturday. 
Dominic says the game has passed by Edge and Beth. Priest is going to win the U.S. title. Ripley is winning the title at WrestleMania. And Ripley then says that the level that Charlotte Flair is on is the one beneath me. And her rise begins this Saturday. Do you think Ripley is pinning Beth in this match going into WrestleMania? Or do you think that the Canadians get um, some celebratory uh, win here? Like, certainly you can hmm. beat Balor in this. I, I don't see Ripley uh, taking this fall at all. But if yeah. Edge and Balor is going to be your mania direction, you could certainly go either way. I, I would have Beth take the fall. Like, I don't know if I see a big role for her at WrestleMania. And as a, and I think Rhea should be incredibly hot heading into her championship match. It gives um, fuel for Edge, too, to come out and just yeah. once and for all, the final showdown at Mania with me and Balor, mm-hmm. um, with, with Beth out of the picture. I think yeah. that that's one way to go. Yeah. Bianca- and, and again, like, there's so much, like, positive momentum for Rhea Ripley tonight. Like, these, these crowds are chanting, Mommy. You know, we want Mommy. Like, and I compare that to like how maybe how I sense Charlotte is right now. And I just don't think there's a any doubt that Rhea is going to get cheered above Charlotte at WrestleMania. What's Dominic going to do at WrestleMania? Come out with Rhea. That's it. What if he hosted? Well, I mean, hold on a second. They're, 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 like, it could be Rey Mysterio, you know, one of the nights. Oh, of course, of course, Ray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But a hosting gig would be great, too. Yeah. That'd be a, the backup. No, you're right, of course, Don, uh, the Ray thing. Bianca Belair, Bailey, and Becky Lynch is the main event. Um, keeping Bianca busy. Let, let's be honest. Bianca has certainly feels like she's just been spinning her wheels during this whole period so far until the program is set for Mania. Like, she has sort of just been... Like she had a nothing match at the Rumble, a nothing program really going into the Rumble, and now it's it's more just waiting until you have this opponent. So maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of the thinking too of having Bel Air injected somewhere here. So you know, mat- match was fine, but again, the crowd just seemed like you know they just want to see who was who was going to be the winner here. Um, there was one point where. Um, Bailey executed a Tower of Doom and then is going for covers onto both. Belair went for the handspring moonsault, landing on Bailey's knees. And then Becky takes Belair and delivers a diamond dust, but in doing so comes down on Bailey's knees, which I don't know if that was intended to be the the landing, as Becky just pretty much got right back up and hit a manhandle slam to Bailey. Um mm. Anyway, this was maybe uh, t- too too complex of a diamond dust. Uh, you know, Masato was not trying diamond dust onto people. Um, Becky then gets sent into the post after Io Sky pulls her to the floor. Then Kai gets involved with with Bailey, as does Sky. So the other chamber participants come down. They're fighting on the floor, and Belair military press slams Io Sky to the floor onto everyone. There's a manhandle slam to Bailey, and then Becky takes a KOD on top of Bailey. Becky rolls to the floor and Belair pins Bailey in fifteen twenty three. So no Becky, no Bailey in the chamber match. Becky is all distraught. How am I going to get to WrestleMania? Um, I think she'll make it, but we're probably going to wait and wait. And um, yeah, and then they had a, a bunch of time to run down the card. They replayed the Lashley Lesnar contract angle and then uh, sent us home. That was it. I, I was actually a little bit um, surprised at how flat this match sounded in Brooklyn and considering the star power uh, among them having Becky and Bianca in the same match together and Bailey too um could be that just you know this crowd didn't think the stakes were all that significant 
or well built to or that it was late um or maybe they're just not as interested in any of the the characters in this division at this point but um maybe a little bit disappointing from that sense in ring i thought it was all right um decent hook for you know the close of a tv show um but yeah it had also been over three hours since they saw braun breaker come out so <laughs> That's but... it. yeah so yeah, Becky Lynch and, and her WrestleMania plans. I I mean, it's it's of some intrigue. And if they're going to do this sort of tease, I think it has to be a pretty significant name, don't you think? Yeah, and I could see them drawing it out. Like, they're certainly doing, like, the whole Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens angle from, from last year. Of, mm-hmm. Like, where, how is Becky, like, she's getting shut out. Like, she lost the Rumble. She's not in the Chamber match. And, I mean, that's, it just seems every year they like to do this with one person. She seems to be the candidate this year. So that was Raw. Um, really strong segment again with, with Cody involving Sami Zayn. I thought overall, like just watching this show, it made Elimination Chamber feel like a very big show. Like this mm-hmm. does not feel like the lame duck show in between the Rumble and Mania. It feels like a very significant event and you've got a quality main event. The atmosphere is going to be awesome. Um, that ch- you have two chamber matches on it. Like they, they, they pushed everything. They pushed Lesnar and Lashley. Uh, they pushed the judgment day for their respective matches. Like they did a pretty good job. I thought of building up Saturday show, which is kind of the goal of these go home shows. I thought so too. Yeah. I think there are like, um, deficiencies with the, the women's chamber on paper just cause, um, the roster is not that strong. And I don't know how much like they did to make me buy, that much interest in anybody else besides an Asuka. On you don't see one. Nikki Cross winning and facing <laughs> Belair. Uh, you mean Candice LeRae? Uh, like, yeah, Nick. So yeah, like they, they built up Nikki Cross's program with the Candice LeRae interaction, which I just, you know, like takes her so, so far away from like the, the title picture. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. Brock versus Lashley, you know, reminded you that that was there. I thought it was like a pretty intense beatdown, And then, um, Sami Zayn, honestly, like that was really the, the biggest thing that mattered on this show, and they did a great job there. All right, let's get into feedback. We will be going to the forum. If you got any super chats, you can throw those up as well, as Way will be monitoring. Uh, we go to Israel with David Porges, who writes in, while Raw tonight didn't have any standout matches at the level of Dynamite, I think it had promos and storytelling beats that blow away what AEW has been doing recently. The Cody and Sammy segment was simply tremendous and had writing and thought put into it, which you don't normally see in pro wrestling television. Cody wrestling in his suit pants and defending his father's honor only further cemented him as a great babyface, and they managed to keep him both keep both him and Sammy protected and extremely over. I may be in the minority, but I've really been enjoying The Miz lately, and his segment with Rollins tonight was both funny and entertaining and managed to build up Rollins and Logan Paul's feud successfully i'd agree with that all in all i really enjoyed raw tonight as we also finally had a hot crowd for raw and it did a great job of hyping me up for elimination chamber uh thank you very much david yeah i think he he makes some good points you know they they did successfully i think um continue the build to rollins versus logan paul um they i thought made good effort with like piper niven and bronson reed as like you know sort of these upcoming giants um in their respective divisions as well Let's go to Muggin, finally, who says it's a stroke of genius to have two super over baby faces in the same ring and neither Sammy nor Cody got the shaft as far as crowd support goes. It's okay to root for both men and Triple H should be commended for thinking ahead. It was a solid go home show as it had solid to good wrestling all night. The main event was damn good as Bianca Belair shut the door on two of her biggest rivalries. Onward to Montreal, they're going to bring the noise on back to back nights. 
That is right. Two nights in Montreal, Friday and Saturday night. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Thanks for all the feedback as well. Tuesday, we are dropping small talk. This is uh, for the Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons where we just go on a, a random journey of our subconscious. And where we end up, there's no flashlight. There's no roadmap for small talk. So look forward to that and, uh, and more of this uh, wonderful dialogue that you so love on a Tuesday morning. And what else do we have on the Post Wrestling Cafe this week? We have got Rewind to Smackdown live from Montreal. We, we might be in a restaurant. We might be on the street. We might be... John might I don't be know. having I don't his know. first ever poutine. Maybe we will go to Electric Avenue and record from there. All possibilities uh, for Friday night. But we will have Rewind to SmackDown for all patrons uh, coming up uh, as well. Cameras will be rolling while we are in Montreal. A road diary will be dropping later this month for cafe members. And then uh, we have got Saturday night. The Elimination Chamber post show with Way and I. That will be free for everybody on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's all we ask. And then Sunday on the cafe, Karen Peterson, WH Park, taking you through Battle in the Valley from San Jose featuring Okada Tanahashi version 14 or whatever they're up to now. And Kyrie defending against Mercedes Monet, who it looks like she is dropping some kind of, um, like docu-series or something this week about the whole lead-up to her debut at the Tokyo Dome. Hmm. She put out a, a teaser on Instagram. Looks very high quality. So I'm sure cool. something she's going to be dropping this week. So you can look out for that. So thanks, everyone. Um, if you're in Montreal, uh, don't be a stranger. Come up and say hi to Way. He would love to meet you. Um, as would I. As would I. So that is it. Say bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, but we are going to say au revoir. <laughs>